Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. You know, we're kind of an interesting time in life, at least in my life. Uh, I'll just talk about myself here for a minute since you're watching here. It's like, <laughs> is you, is you, you know, the older you get, there's people who have had an influence on you. And then you start realizing that I've hit an age now where those people have kids that are sort of plotting their their course. You see it in sports, you know, yep. like there's a lot of professional athletes who's, who's Parent, his dad played, you know, in earlier days. Really was, talking I'm, about I'm like, how old we are. I'm like, oh my gosh, his his kids playing now. That that happened. We see, you know, movies got Denzel Washington's son in it. And I'm like, wow, my gosh, you yep. know. And you you know, you see these things, you know, kind of kind of happen. Um, I, I was sucked into a fireside chat uh, recently that just opened my mind and and sucked me in. I was sad when it was finished, mm. and and it was with. And you sent it to me, and you're like, you have got to watch this. It's- I, I started sending it to everybody. I sent yeah. it to our kids. I sent it to everybody. Like, this is so good on so many levels. Unbelievable. Please watch Great this. Nuggets. You know, texting it to them directly. Uh, it was it was Dennis Prager doing a fireside chat, which is typically him sitting by the fire and he's got a dog that's sitting there and and uh, smoking his cigar and just dropping dropping uh, dropping nuggets. But then he had a conversation with his son on there, and I was like, man, it caught me at the right time. Sucked into it. Sad when it was finished. And within minutes of it being over, maybe before it was over, I was reaching out to his son. I said, you got to come on our show. I want the language and the DNA of the way he's analyzing situations to get not just more on me and my family, but all of our our viewers. And I am so honored to have on our show today as a guest, Mr. Aaron Prager. Welcome. Thank you for having me. We are so looking forward to this, Aaron. A a younger, uh, uh, more handsome, well-bearded version of your father. (laughs) Uh, The the beard I'll take credit for, everything else, especially his intellectuality, I I can't speak for. I would say, though, just that conversation between you and your dad, uh, your perspective on life is absolutely amazing, yes. especially for your age. Um, you know, when I mean, at any age, but especially when you look at how old you are and the life that you've lived, your perspective, your vocabulary, the things that you were talking about for your future, it was really inspiring. And we're so excited about this conversation today. Well, I'm very excited too. Thank you for having me on. I'd seen your guys' material circulating the internet before, so uh, it wasn't completely out of the blue. I recognized the name, so... Uh, that's Thank awesome. You. Well, we're excited to have you on. I I, I don't want to spend the, a, a, all our time on it, but to give people a context of 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 the 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 conversation with you and your dad, um, with with you, I want to address first in a uh, point here, recovery and walking through that part of your life story. And I think what that does is sets a table for the way that you look at what's going on in Israel, sets the table for what you stand on, hey, where you're talking about parenting, when you're talking about you know a lot of situations. I love the transparency that you guys walk through it, but I do want to put that whole episode down below for people to click on it, watch that in its entirety. It truly, it will just, it's it's doing yourself a big mm-hmm. favor by, by being able to watch that. So, but let's kind of begin with the context that you guys had on the, the fireside chat um, of of your your life, and and kind of that that beginning of like your teens through maybe what was it twenty three I think, yeah. So my sobriety clean date recovery date is June fourth two thousand and sixteen, and I'm in recovery long term recovery now from uh, primarily alcohol and crystal meth, and that didn't immediately become part of my story at the beginning. But one thing I did learn very early on uh, when I first started when I first I, I like to say sufficiently got intoxicated was I liked the escape. 
be escaped from reality, not to feel myself, to not be confined within my heart, my brain, my spirit at the time, which I didn't know hindsight's 2020. But that was a defining moment in my life. The first time that I felt the effects of Mm. being numb, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I want to feel like this every single day. You said that on the, the the show and it jumped out like it's almost like the like from day one, the first encounter uh, with a substance, it was like, oh, this feels like home. Like this is, you know, it wasn't something that crept up on you out of the the blue. I think I heard Glenn Beck say one time with his struggle with alcoholism, like he, he, he said he probably was an alcoholic for years. He goes, but I would have never said that because I was always to work on time the next day. And he was, you know, because yeah. I spent years, I black out every night, but I, I never missed any work and I didn't drink during the day. So I was like, I'm good, you know? And so, but for you, you, you kind of knew it on a level day one. 100%. And, and that's something that I, I need to point out to, to your viewers is this does not discriminate on socioeconomic background, gender, wealth, whatever it is. You see people in treatment centers across the country, people in 12 step meetings, people in all different forms of recovery programs, uh, which I will like to just disclaimer. I'm a big proponent of a God slash higher power based program towards sobriety. There are a lot of others that have crept up in, in modern times that I believe is a tremendous disservice, but yes, it does not discriminate on what your background is. You will see people from all walks of life who think that they're immune. I mean, you said yourself, Glenn Beck, mm-hmm. this is, so, this is somebody who has like an amazing platform. He's had an amazing life, uh, does well for himself, you know, <laughs> probably yep. has probably, probably didn't lose the car and, and, and his house, but you know, nonetheless, you, t- you said something as well that he might not have known he was an alcoholic unless, unless because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But before, and you could see this with, and every parent, every loved one who knows somebody who's afflicted with this can say that alcohol is but the symptom of the problem. And the problem is you. The problem is ultimately you. You're unable mm. to live life on life's terms. You have a God-sized hole in your soul that you're filling with materialistic things and so on. Mm. Um, and that was my way of just getting through the day, which turned into an animal of its own. And I had to address that at some point and take accountability for my life and stop playing the victim at every chance I got. So it makes sense. That's why you say, say having a program that is God-centered or a higher power is critical because it's a God-sized hole in your heart. So Correct. that's a way yeah. of being able to walk through that and figure out, okay, how do I get rid of alcohol and put something else in its place that's a bigger power? 100%. I, 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 I love this phrase and I hold it so dear to my heart, and I think you guys will love it, and your viewers will love it, is God led me to recovery. Recovery led me back to God. Ooh, man, that is powerful. That's big. So good. That's big. What was the, it was something I didn't really catch from the, the episode is during that, 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 this is called a season, you know, of, of your life, you know, until 23. Um, I think that number is pretty close, if not right. What yes. was the dynamics in the relationship between you and and your father? You and and did you disassociate from say that that world? Was he pursuing you? Was there anything he could have done in there chasing you down? You know what? Cause like, there's probably a lot of people mm-hmm. maybe in a situation where like, hey, I, I got a loved one that's in this spot, um, and then I, you know, he, he said on, on a phone call that you didn't remember making. He was like there in a moment and mm-hmm. showed up, but but. What was the dynamics of that relationship like in that season? Whew, uh, that's that we could we could do a whole hour on that. Sure. <laughs> um, 
the were you in the, communication the sport, with communication it was it was i called him up when i was drunk to yell at him that's basically that was the that was the extent of our relationship really my my parents divorced when i was 13 uh it's very, i mean divorce is tough on kids at any age obviously sure. but 13 was especially difficult due to the fact i was old enough to see what was happening and realize there was going to be a change but not mature enough to process like the nuances within maybe their marriage, what was going on. And my mother, you know, I, I love my mother to death. She passed away when I was 21, but she, she dealt with her own set of struggles. I mean, every marriage is far from, you know, perfect. They have, they have little things here and there, but I jumped at that. I was, my father was always the more of, of the wanting to teach me about goodness, values, morals, direct my moral compass. So that when I became an adult, uh, I would go down a good God-centered path. And as a teenager whose main concern is not feeling like themselves and sees a divorce, I'll be very open with you. I saw that as a massive opportunity to take advantage of that and do whatever I wanted. And that mm. started with cutting my father out a lot um, because he was the authoritarian. He was the one who wanted to help me walk in the ways of goodness and happiness. And I just cared about another drink. I cared about the next party. You know, when you have a father that wrote a book called, uh, I don't know the title of it, basically it's like, it's like how to be happy, you know, happiness it, is a serious problem. Yeah. 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 It's, it's an unbelievable book and it, you know, kind of ends up rounding people back to, to, to gratitude. And we can get to, you know, talk about that later. But so if there's, there's this push against, against him, was there kind of a throw the baby out with the bathwater? It's like, man, look at, look at what you've mm-hmm. done in, in, in our life. And kind of did that, did that kind of push you steer the other other direction? It's like you know, hey, you got all the answers, but look what look what look what you did to me, look what you did to our home. You know, is it was it that kind of a of a of a, of a anger and, and vocabulary? I mean, the word I think we're circling around here is is I, I wanted to play the victim. I wanted to blame him and say it's your fault, it's your fault because ultimately, and I have to because part of recovery is I have to take accountability for what I do. I can't blame other people for 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 what they've done. Right, regardless of whatever happened, I untreated and 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 I don't want to just keep this within the scope of alcoholism or drug addiction because this is applicable to everybody. If you walk around blaming other people for all of your problems, you are going to be unhappy. You're going to be ungrateful. You're not going to be able to cherish the things that God have has given you in your life and ultimately allowed you to have. So. The vocabulary I used towards my father was I was I blamed him for everything because I wanted to play the victim because hmm. victimhood is a drug in and of itself. Wow! And it takes out any responsibility on your part. Plus, you, do, you don't have to really look up much in the future because you're a victim. So how do you even plan for the future? Because you're a victim to the circumstances or the people around you, uh, which which mm-hmm. is excuse in itself. You know, David and I have done orphan care for a, for a couple of years and that was a, a big thing in orphan care. Lived in Mexico. Yeah, we lived in, in Mexico and um it was interesting in that situation where uh the kids, you know, they every situation came from a victim uh mentality, you know, because they they were victims, you know, they were orphans. They got they, a bad deal. Bad they deck, got, bad hand. Yeah, it was it was a bad deal, but what we found was um when that sets in place that Orphans create more orphans. A, a large percentage of the people that grew up in an orphanage had children in the future in an orphanage. And so it was really changing. And I'm sure, sure it was the same thing for you when you went through um, 
you know, rehab was changing the way that you viewed situations or things that happened to you, or you were no longer a victim and you were then in control of your future. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say rehab in and of itself is it's almost like step zero. It's before the process. Like for me, it was literally just a facility, a geographical location that separated me from a bar stool. It's all it was. Now, granted, okay. I'm not going to knock the people who were within that facility. They did tremendous work for me. Where I like to differentiate or the, or the tipping point to where I really launched into recovery is another one of those inexplicable moments, right? Now, granted, I was going through the 12 steps at the time. I was, uh, I was going to meetings of, I don't mention the specific, I try to be careful because of the trip traditions behind it. Uh, but I started saying yes when people invited me to go out to eat. It's almost like fellowship. You know, after church Sundays, people go out to eat together. Friday night, I wasn't a religious Jew at the time. You know, I still don't wear a yarmulke, but I keep kosher and I keep Shabbos. And I said yes to a Friday night meeting and I went out and I started hanging out with people. But that that, that was the beginning of the spiritual change, the awakening, mm. if you will, to chat. Like I always say your, your first thoughts when you're in the, when you're in the depths of it, whether it be addiction or hard times or your struggle in life, the first thought you have, that's your lower power talking. Your second thought where you challenge yourself, that's your higher power talking. That's God mm -hmm. talking to you saying, this is what you need to do in order to benefit your life. And I needed to step outside my shell, stop saying no to people. And you combine that challenging yourself with taking accountability, not playing a victim. Like that is a good jumping off part. It's a great jumping off part where so many people take, choose the easier, softer road. And they're like, Hey, you know what? I don't need God. I don't need a recovery program. You know what I really need? I need to join an activist group. That's mm. home. That's family, you know? And no wonder all those people are hard pressed to say, like, they're not happy. Like take a... <laughs> Just, I'm just guessing, but you know, I, I would say we have a, a country. Um, when you when you describe the lifestyle and patterns of somebody in addiction, it a lot of it just it kind of sounds like America. Hmm. Uh, you know, of of where we are, there's a lot of uh, everybody's kind of a victim. Even if you listen to like conservatives, they 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 kind of suck you into talking about something that's very bad and very far away that I have no control over it, but the government's the problem. You know, it's like they spend too much. Don't look at my credit card. You know, hey, our, our country is out of shape and they eat bad. They don't don't I could lose a few pounds. You know, it's like every everything that maybe mm -hmm. you could focus here. The news is kind of a little bit of an addiction for a lot of people because it yeah. like it takes it takes you away from what you could be doing in your own life and puts it, you know, somewhere else. And it definitely has God out of the equation most of of the, the time. Um, the, the level of personal responsibility you're talking about, everything kind of, it, it, it sounds a lot like our country could go through a, a, a training course by you. Well, I, I wouldn't say a training course by me. I, I'd probably mess up a lot of things. But I, I see your point. I think it holds a lot of water. You touch on something very important that the, that the nation needs a recovery program, if you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To get back on track, to yes. realize that there are so many things that are just so not, even within our control, why are we why are we worrying about it on a day to day basis? There are legitimate things that we can control, but there are th but we concern ourselves with things that are so beyond the scope of what Aaron, Davey, or Stacy or Stacy could do, right in this in this specific moment. Yep. Rather, like if you just take a tenth of that energy that we burn up foolishly a lot of the time and try to focus it on doing service for somebody else or something, you never know the snowball that that can create. 
So <clears throat> true. Is that what made you decide to start uh, your podcast? You know, you started a podcast like six months ago uh, called AP Unfiltered. Um, but talk about that. What made you decide to start the podcast and what's kind of the goal uh, with that when you do your shows? So I, I've always loved, like you guys said at the beginning, I love the short, shorter form content. I think that especially in conjunction with what we just talked about, not just just bludgeoning somebody over the head with it, give a, give a short, concise breakdown of a topic that is either culturally relevant because the culture war and politics are close are, are, are more closely intertwined than ever before because the culture war really is political now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. break it down for people who only get five minutes of news a night, who go to work, the people who work the hardest. Those are the people the left actually prey on because they're working three jobs to feed their families. They come mm-hmm. home, they watch five minutes of news before dinner and they're listening to this mainstream media narrative that is designed 110% to have people at their throats come this summer. That's what it's boiling down to is this summer is going to be a turning point leading up into the election if we're able to get past it. And that is something that concerns me. But to get back to your question about why I started the channel, I feel we need to change the narrative slowly, one little five to 10 minute video at a time to help people understand the nuances within these conversations and understand that we are not going to fall by the wayside here in this country, that we are just I love how Vivek Ramaswamy actually says it. We are at the infancy of our nation. Mm. Mm, man, that is, it, it, it's good and it's really true. Yep. He, he's, he is, he's like a, has some really well thought through soundbite nuggets, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of where he people does. feel about him as far as being the president of the United States. Like, you know, that's a, that, that's a job that, you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of jobs called not president of the United States. You know, that, that somewhere in this process, mm-hmm. he would be, you know, phenomenal for, and uh, I think sometimes we're like, well, if they're not that, we'll sweep them away and because because he's not your guy for president, but he's bringing some things and putting them on the table that I think are really, really valuable. And a lot of it is he, he does have a message of come back personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear you talk on any episode in the fireside chat with your dad, personal responsibility, the things that you can do personally are both, are both freeing and uh, uh, bring you to a lot of joy. That's the goal. The goal mm-hmm. is to be happy in life. Now, I'm going to stop it for a second. That does not mean that life is devoid of struggle, challenge, and pain. On the contrary, the struggles, challenges, and pain that accompany life are put there specifically to let you work through them and elevate. God is not going to leave me by the wayside. The, there's a bunch of cliches in this world, but one I almost hold truer than everything else is that God's not going to give me something I can't handle. Mm-hmm. There's going to be extremely tough times that come my way. It's not all unicorns and rainbows in life. It's not, you know, it's not a safe room at, uh, or a safe space at Harvard where if somebody uses the wrong pronoun, you get 45 yeah. minutes yeah. to decompress. There's There are actual tough things in life. You know, Israel is going to be stronger because of this, because mm-hmm. of what's happening in the Middle East. Because and, and that is firmly because God is watching over the nation of Israel. And it's been true for all of history. Yep. It's true Amen. for the United States. It's, and, and 
I think that's really important. Let's talk a little bit about what is going on in Israel, because you had uh, quite a few vid- uh, videos about it, Hamas and all of that. We are very much pro-Israel, and so are our listeners. So let's talk a little bit about that as well. What's kind of your take on what's going on there now and what you see coming? So I want to say one thing to start this segment off is there's something that's happening in the U.S. right now by mainstream media sites that that makes my blood boil. They are continuing to report the death toll. I believe the last was 24,200. But that those numbers are from the Hamas Ministry of Health. Mm. So why are they reporting it? Do you think those are Great in point. any sh- way, shape, or form accurate? Would we be reporting Nazi Germany numbers? Would, no. would we? Would we be we re- reporting the numbers from Pravda? No, we wouldn't be right. reporting that. There's a disconnect that people have in this country right now with, with how Israel should be allowed to exist. It's the size of, folks, it's the size of New Jersey mm-hmm. surrounded by Arab nations. Yeah. And for some reason, they're not going to call it anti-Semitism when the president of Harvard gets up before Congress and says that from the river to the sea, genocidal death chants are not actionable under Harvard's code of conduct. It's just yeah. sick. We need to, it's this, it's, it's sickening. We, it there, is. there has, it's, and this is 110% perpetrated by leftist ideology in America and around the world. This is not, this is, we are not the only ones who are, <laughs> it's, it's almost mind boggling to, to, to even talk about because Israel's not going anywhere. Nope. If anybody genuinely thinks that Israel's going to go anywhere, mm-hmm. like I got a bridge to sell you somewhere. That's right. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it. God has his eye on Israel. That, that, I mean, it's extremely, extremely important. That's why even from a Christian perspective, you know, we look at it and Jesus, which we consider the Messiah, he was Jewish. He's Jewish, you know? And so it's like, we look at this and we're like, and those roots, Old Testament, all those things are, are ours as well. And that's why I think it's really important as a Christian community that we have got to stand with Israel it should be it should be an important part of everything that we're doing praying for israel standing with israel and and standing out against people that are speaking against israel we have got to stand up for well, it and we had the opportunity to go there this last spring as a, our whole team took our kids everybody everybody that works for flyover we all went and uh i'm really glad we got to go this was like last you know it'd be a year this april and uh you know what a blessing to be able to be there before all this happened but i'm like that is one of the freest places you could ever dream of um, you know, I mean, even like 100%. sexuality, like like your city of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. but like we're in Tel Aviv, went to the beach one day and I was looking around. I'm like, I might be one of the only straight guys here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, like you've so much freedom to be, you know, whatever you want, but you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you go five miles out of that and it's a whole different story. I don't know why we're not celebrating the only free operating culture in that place. And, and even in Jerusalem, man, it's like, there's a little bit of everything. It's closer to the United Nations as far as look. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little bit of everything, and you're free to be that there. Yeah, it's. I, I saw this on Twitter when this first happened, and it was the. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this graphic. It was the college students holding up the LGBT flag, and it said "Queers for Palestine." Yeah, are you guys familiar with that graphic? Yes. Yeah, I I saw some. I forgot who it was. It might have been. Uh, I forget who it was. Posted a great reply to that. And it said, it's like saying chickens for KFC. Exactly. That's a great way of saying it. It's birth and ignorance. It is. Yeah. But but to your point, David, 
Israel is one of the most liberal, it's the most liberal place in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. It's the most friendly and tolerant towards LGBTQIA people. But for but like I said, people here in the US are so closed off in this place, hand in hand with having high self-esteem, a always thinking that they're the victim, feeling like they're entitled to everything. They don't understand that the people that that if they went to Gaza, I I I almost did this on Twitter, and then my wife suggested I not. Urge people, if you are of that community, go volunteer. Go wow. do humanitarian uh, uh, work. Go go put in pipes for them. Go bring in food. And please report back to me, live tweet it if you'd like, what your experience is like via from Israel the second you come go into Gaza. I'd like to know the difference. It's a great way of You think there's this kind of hierarchy of, of if, if, you're, if you're browner or poorer, then, then you must be correct regardless of, of any actual facts. Is that kind of, do you feel that way when you look at any situation, whatever the news article is, it's spun in that direction. Like, well, Israel is thriving financially. It's a, it's a prosperous place to be. It's a free place to be. They must be the oppressor. They've got to be wrong. Mm. Yeah, no, 110%. My father talks about this all the time and I agree with him. You look at every group that is in power, any nation that is prosperous, and then you look at the opposite demographic. So why do like the left here in the United States, if you're a minority, if you are if you are not of if you're basically anybody other than white European descent, you are considered a victim because you are of a minority class and you are oppressed. You look at Israel. You see that Israel is a strong nation. You look at Gaza under the control of Hamas. Yes. That needs to be pointed out. They are living in squalor. Mm-hmm. And it is so easy for them to point the finger at Israel and say you are the oppressor. But that's true for every that's true for every wealthy nation on the planet that's located even in close proximity to a poor nation. That for some reason it's because of the wealthy nation, and most of the time they're capitalists. It's because of them that they are that the uh, that the poor nation is is the way that it is. A lot it of the arguments, victim mentality again. A lot of these arguments come to okay. There's a difference between. Uh, we don't want the, the Jewish people removed. We want Israel. As a, it's like a fake state propped up. Like there's this, this battle between, okay, well, God's people are the Jewish people. That has nothing to do with Israel. Israel's a brand new nation. It was never even, it, it, it's, it's only been here. It's like a kind of break down that, that argument a little bit. Well, Jews, I mean, if you want to, you want to talk like birthright land, I mean, th- then the argument's over. Yeah, you want to talk about you want you want to talk about uh, the diaspora, like you know, craziness to 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 see how Jews were located in an area, got flung across Europe, and then somehow were able to make it back. Like that's never happened in history before. Right. The idea that you know, and, and I go to and I go to the chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. I go to that chant because that's all of Israel. That's that that's mm. from the river to the sea. So right. like when when ben, when ben Shapiro was at I believe it was Cambridge and had the 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 student say that to him, you know, Palestine uh, from the river to the sea. He said, "What part?" And she said, "From the river to the sea." And he was like, "Okay, well there you have it. That settles it. There's no compromise there. Mm-hmm. The Jews it's the Jews ancestral homeland and the only people who disagree with that, I mean if you you want to go back farther and farther and farther, you'll get you'll get Jews, you'll have Arabs, you'll have Romans, you'll have all these different groups of people who are there, right? But where does like colonization has happened for all of human history? What would the let I, I would ask this to so many people? I actually got slammed on this for asking it in a YouTube short was uh 
what would the same people who are saying that Israel, because they're colonizers, don't deserve to have the land, and October 7th was justified, what would they say if Tijuana started launching rockets into San Diego? Would they say, oh, we need to give back you know, parts of California because the U.S. took it? No, they would say the, 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 the avocado toast eating, a blue-haired barista Brianna types, Morello. they would all be screaming from the mountaintops that we should bomb Mexico into the Pacific. Mm. So it's a complete double standard here. And this is something I try to expose on the channel to the best of my ability is it's 110% double standards from the left used to emotionally manipulate you to vote for them. Do mm. you think that, w that this is a mostly a problem with the young adults in our country, the ones that have been to college? Or do you think that this is an issue uh, through all generations? Yeah. How does that break down demographically? I, I think I, I don't know the exact statistics on, on, on who tends to vote where, but I mean, a, a huge majority of young people who want to be taken care of tend to vote for the part with the more benefits. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just basic logic, mm -hmm. you know, and then you see people and I think that's true across the board, whatever demographic. I mean, the two biggest demographics that tend to vote for the left are the young and I believe single women it is. So what are the two groups of people that want just things provided for them, you know? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it tracks. So mm. I, I know that, I know that one of my switches, at least to be more fiscally conservative was the first time I got a real paycheck and I saw how much taxes were taken out. <laughs> yeah. It's For like, where's sure. this, where's this going? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. And, and let's yeah. even hone in a little bit more on that. How about the anti-Semitism that we're seeing? Do you think that that is, are we, are we seeing it because of indoctrination on college campuses? Or do you think that this is something as a whole for across our country and all demographics? So I, I think it's important to separate out what I like to call real anti-Semitism versus ignorant anti-Semitism. This is something that if you look at people who are like Claudine Gay and the people at Harvard, I genuinely believe that they have anti-Semitic thoughts in their hearts. I genuinely believe that. I would agree. Mm -hmm. Now, the people who get taken to a rally by their leftist friend for pro-Palestine and are tweeting about it, you know, they haven't thought through these issues. That's why I, I didn't call for these protests to just be shut down across the nation. I want people to see this. I want people to see the ignorance of people on these college campuses that they could be so easily tricked mm -hmm. into doing something that if you look at what they're saying is abhorrent. Yes, yeah. totally yeah. agree. Exactly. I, I look a lot of times like if you – if you look at our nation, if you did like a scan, like if you did a body scan looking for like cancerous spots, you know, on the skin, like if you did a, a, a scan of our country, like those cancerous spots would all be, that would show up red hot would all be college universities, mm -hmm. you know, well, where, where the most and, and, and blue strongholds. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of go, go hand in hand, you know, and it tends to be also, um, if you take a university like, uh, to say, you know, we live in, in Missouri, you could say university of Missouri, but if you go on the Kansas side, like KU university of Kansas, it's gonna it's it's gonna have a very strong indoctrination that's going to be um, negative towards Israel. If you went to Kansas State University, which is a little more agricultural based, it's doers, it's people who are more focused on like I'm 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 attached to the land, I'm growing mm -hmm. things. It's a little more mm -hmm. like that, closer to maybe even if you went to California, say UCLA or something versus Cal uh, Poly, Cal Poly, you know, in mm -hmm. in San Luis Obispo or something like that. That's a little more agricultural based. Um, 
the kind of indoctrination that you get. And if, then you go to the Ivy League or any kind of an East Coast school, it's going to be, it seems like even even more so mm-hmm. that they really struggle, you know, being able to, that's why, you know, the, the you know, Penn and, and, and Harvard, the ones that they had in, you know, testifying really struggled with, with, with their language. And there's been repercussions for it because it really exposed what they really think. Yeah. Uh, it's, I personally, myself, I've never been to college. I didn't go to college. Maybe it's one of the reasons I turned out this way. I feel like <laughs> I learned a lot through my experiences and ultimately through the struggles that I have had. I, I will, mm-hmm. and I will teach my kids the exact same thing. Your struggles give you character because you're able to work through them and process them. And that's what adults do. So the younger you're able to do that, the better. The problem with college campuses is that they put things into place that make kids and incentivize them almost to stay young, to stay in the system longer. You know, now it used to be go to college for, it used to be like, don't go to college. Then it was college for a couple of years. Then it was college for four years. Then it was four mm-hmm. years, then grad school. And it just incentivizes you to continuously leech and leech and leech and stay a child. So the second you get into the, into the real world, you're like, what, I want to go back to what college. do I do now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we have exactly. interaction with real people that do things for a living. If you have, if you have somebody come and they're going to work on your heating and air conditioning, and that might be below what a lot of people on the left would want to be like, oh, that's a manual labor job. But you're an apprentice for a heating and air conditioning company, and then eventually, in ten years, mm-hmm. you've got your own van, and you're starting to hire people. And you like you make three, four hundred thousand yeah. dollars a year. You you've got you know yeah. a ski boat, and you've you know like that's that's a great life. But you talk about somebody that does something that's got to get up on a roof and fix something, crawl through the attic. They're going to tend to be mm-hmm. very rational, common sense, conservative minded. You know, it, it it takes a certain job set Unless and an isolation and, and and fluorescent yeah. lights. You gotta you gotta be in a certain it, 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 it disconnect mm-hmm. in order to hold these leftist values because they don't play out when you're, when you're, you got eight guys in a boat rowing and one of them wants to eat nachos and criticize the others or, 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 or you know, like this doesn't work. The no. boat's going to go in a circle and they're going to throw that guy out. Mm-hmm. But it, it does work in a very prosperous society where you can have a job that isolates you from the reality of what it takes to make it all go. Yeah. I, I, I 100% where I live, I am surrounded by blue collar by blue collar work. You said ten years you might get a van. I know guys who got a van in two. I, yeah. know, guys, I know guys who I know guys who get uh, raises every single year more than what would have kept them even with inflation over the last couple of years just by staying in school. And they don't ha- they didn't go into it having known the trade. Their employer will pay for your schooling, and you will come out with a skill that teaches mm-hmm. you or that, that that teaches you hard work, punctuality, apparently two things that the left like to call white values. Uh, you can look this up, it's crazy. Yep. Um oh, and, and accountability too, I might add. But they but they're, they they get taught these things at an early age cuz a lot of them go into it young. They make good money, they're able to get married at a young age, they're able to have kids at a younger age than what we're traditionally seeing people who are more focused on career and what a lot of people are being told is the way to happiness. And they are able to provide and not be subject to, oh my God, if I get fired, how am I going to get another job? So I know it sounds like I'm, I'm, I talk into a camera for a living now, but I'm advocating blue collar work, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> like I, I would have loved nothing more. My father, you know, taught me to do certain things. Other people's parents, you know, push them in other directions 
equally uh, beneficial, in my opinion, even more so on the blue collar side. Well, I love Eric, it. Last thing as we wrap up, you know, we, we just had a, a sit down uh, conversation with a, a guy who's 27 years old, just wrote a book called My Millionaire Mentor. And he basically had a life of kind of bouncing around. And basically the, the prop on his boat was, wasn't never in the water. He was a great mm-hmm. person and a great motor on the boat. The, it was just kind of lifted up, wasn't in the water. He didn't really know where to, to go. And the, the number one thing I think I took from that conversation with him is he had this, this mentor that kind of changed his life was that everything's your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, and whether it is or isn't, it's like, okay, at least now I'm in the driver's seat to be able to make yep. make make a difference. That, I think, exemplifies your life and, and where you're at it. Give a final shout out to, to our audience, whether um, they have a, a child struggling, they're struggling, um, and of, of going from maybe being in the back seat with an out-of-control taxi driver to like moving into that place mm. of personal responsibility and empowerment that kind of allows them to begin this journey that I think you're maybe eight years into that's changed everything in your life. And there's just a world of fruit that I think everybody can, can enjoy. Well, th- first off, thank you guys for having me on. I very much appreciate it. I'd love to do it again in the future for the parents. There is nothing you can do that will prevent your kid from doing what they're going to do. Ultimately. You can try to put things to help them out. They're going to do what they're going to do. Same with spouses. You can threaten your spouse. You're going to leave. You're going to do all these things, but you will see time and time again that they will blow past all of your boundaries because that is what someone in active addiction removed from God will do. Full stop. Now to the person who might be struggling. Give yourself credit where it's due. Don't beat yourself up more than you feel you should because self-criticism is good. But it's tough to do that when you're continuously drinking. So one day at a time, try, and this is my challenge to you, because it starts with the brain. Start saying you get to do things rather than you have to do these things. Mm -hmm. It will embed a sense of gratitude in your life that you have never seen before. And once again, I'm not a doctor. I don't have, I'm not an MD. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just another alcoholic addict who's in recovery, trying to better his life. And that's what worked for me. I love it. I have so enjoyed this conversation. Everything we hoped it would be, it was so much more. I'd love to have like a four hour dinner with you. Yes, for sure. For (laughs) sure. Brilliant mind. Just a great young man. You can follow Aaron by going on X to AP underscore unfiltered. And then you can also find him on Rumble and YouTube at AP unfiltered. So thanks again for your time today. We really appreciate it. And we'd love to have you back. Yes. Absolutely. Growing up in the heart of the USA, David and Stacy met at school when they were in seventh grade. They started dating at 19 and tied the knot at 20. Yep, it's a love story that warms the heart. At 23 years old, while juggling two kids, Colton and Avery, they started an online brokerage company that soared to unimaginable heights liberating them from the confines of the nine to five grind. With their newfound freedom, this dynamic duo spent their time globetrotting. What followed was two years working on the mission fields, ministry school, marriage workshops, and even a music career. But hold on, folks. That's not where the story ends. In 2016, they saw a businessman they admired become president. During his campaigning, they noticed that he celebrated a system of government of which the founding fathers would have been proud. They had many friends asking for their thoughts on what was happening in politics. 
It was then that they realized that there was a burning need for a community where real issues could be discussed, debated, and dissected. And so, the Facebook group called Flyover Conservatives was born. As the 2020 election cycle rolled around, their group grew and grew, attracting more patriots by the day. But as we all know, the journey wasn't without its challenges. Big tech began to censor conservative content, shadow banning the flyovers, and subjecting them to daily fact checks that left many scratching their heads. Undeterred, this dynamic duo rose to the occasion. During the infamous Twitter purge, they decided to take matters into their own hands and launched their very own show, streaming on platforms like Rumble. And guess what? Their audience has skyrocketed to over 5 million views a month. With regular guests like General Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, Kash Patel, Robin Bullock, Eric Trump, and so many others, they show absolutely no signs of slowing down. This is a crazy time to be alive. Well, just in our lifetime, it used to be where you'd hear your grandparents talk about how cheap gas was and stuff, and it was 75 years before, 50 years you yeah. know, before. And so we've seen a lot of changes since Biden took office, $700 more a month. Than what you needed in January of 21 when he took office. You might hear these kind of things and think, oh, that's overwhelming. I can't control the government. I can't control what they're doing. I can't control the spending, but we can take care of ourselves. You want to make sure that you're buying bullion from somebody that you can trust and someone that does not charge you a commission when you go to sell. If there's going to be a commission, have it on the front end, not the back end when it skyrockets. And now you're like, oh, my gosh, look at this big, huge commission I got to pay because it's on the back end before I sell it. You can buy an ounce of silver for $23. So this is something everybody can get into. And if silver goes to $50, if it goes to $75, if it goes to $100, all of those profits are yours. And that's happening while the dollar is buying less and less at the actual grocery store. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Or to do the same thing, you can just call 720-605-3900. Hey guys, Frank Cox here. I'm here with my buddy Kyle from over there at Ozark Valley Wagyu Beef, or Ozark Valley Beef Company. We're gonna cook up some Wagyu beef burgers today on the San Maria Grill using this flat top. Boom. Can you put too much cheese on a burger. Take your time. We're not trying to push through it. All right, guys. I get to take a bite now. Check it out. Here you go. Anyway, bozarkwagyu.com. Get on over and get your burger. I'm gonna eat the rest of this right in front of you. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.